We're finding our seats, and if you're joining us online, we're really glad uh, that you've taken the time. If you're listening to this broadcast on the radio today, we trust that you are well and that uh, you've got joy and expectation in your heart for the good things that do lie ahead because God is good and He does all things well. Uh, we're going to start a new series today uh, titled The Mission of Jesus. And I want to turn your attention towards Christ. I want to turn your attention towards the life, the ministry, the culture that Jesus demonstrates of who He is and what He's like. Remember that we're called Christians. Just look at your neighbor and say, don't forget you're a Christian. Go ahead, tell somebody. Don't forget you're a Christian, which means that you are, you are called by His name. In, in other words, you are to reflect. We've got a disco going on here, Manuel. I'm not sure what's happening, but if we could sort that light out, that'd be great. Uh, we are reflect the life and the ministry and the anointing of Jesus Christ. And so there are several, what I might call summary sentences, that Jesus uses to explain uh, who He is and what He's about and what He's come to do. And that's really important because this Jesus who walked the earth sent His Spirit to live within us so that we would continue His work and His ministry. Can I get a witness here today? Can I get another witness here today? That, that we're not simply adherents to a philosophy, but we are in relationship, covenant relationship with a God who wants to bring forth His kingdom onto the earth through our lives. That might be revelation for some people, but He wants you to manifest His presence wherever you are in every sort of situation. And that is not possible, humanly speaking. That's why we need to have God's presence inside of us. But this morning, just seven thoughts from the life of Jesus as He summarized His life's mission into one sentence. And we are in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 tells us that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. This is what I might describe as a summary sentence where Jesus is able to take all of who He is and all of what He's about. And the Scripture is on the, on the screen for us this morning. That, that this is what Jesus is all about. This is what it means for Jesus to come to the earth. And, and I want to unpack this verse with you. Is that okay? So we're taking notes this morning. Number one, we see simply from this verse is that Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' mission is one of focus. I'd love you to write that down. Focus, focus. Jesus was able to define what he was not about in order to define what he was about. And for us, it's really important to know what we're not called to do so we can actually focus on what God has called us to do. A lot of Christians are running around trying to put out fires that we're not called to attend. And we waste our time, we waste our anointing, we waste our effort fighting battles and fights that are not ours to fight. So when you have focus in your life, it helps you in every single dimension of your life. If you want to get fit, guess what? If you want to get healthy, if you want to lose weight, guess what? You've got to stay, say it with me, focused. If you want to improve your marriage, guess what? You've got to stay Focused. If you want to improve your business, guess what? You've got to stay focused. If you want to grow as being a better parent or a grandparent, guess what? You've got to stay 
focus. There is no foc- there is no success without focus. One of my favorite little quotes, my favorite little sayings is this. Write it down. If you chase two rabbits, they'll both get away. You're chasing over here, you're chasing over there, and before long everything's escaped you, right? So the ministry, the mission, the culture of Jesus, who he is and what he's like, and there by implication come us as his believers, as his emissaries, as his ambassadors, we must become people of focus. You know, focus enables you to let go of a lot of things. You can let go of hurt when you've got focus. You can let go of disappointment when you've got focused. You can let go of distractions and anxiety and confusion when you've got focused. When you don't have vision, you run amok, as the Scripture says, right? You waste your time away, but when you've got a vision, you move forward and you become successful. Number one is is focus. Number two, and I love this, number two, I'm on team. I'd love you to write that phrase down this morning. I want our church to learn this phrase. I think we can get t-shirts, Joel, made up with this saying, this slogan on it. I'm on team. John 10.10 says it like this. I have come. I have come. You know, Jesus was not passive. He didn't sit in heaven, cross his arms and go, well, that didn't work out very well, did it? There's nothing, there's nothing sidelined about Jesus. He's in the game. He's on team. I have come that they might have life. In Mark, the scripture we're looking at, I did not come to do that. I came to do this. In other words, Jesus is on team. And I want everybody in our church at Destiny to know, everyone that names the name of Jesus, everyone that wants to claim to be a Christian, to know that there's no such thing as passivity. I might just let that hang in the air for a minute. Everyone is on team. I'm on team. I've got something that I can contribute, something that I can give, some way in which I can serve because I'm on team. I want you to say it with me this morning. I'm on team. Everything about his life, his mission, his message summons engagement. There's no invitation that Jesus gives that says, stay where you are. He says, come and follow me. That's active participation. Love is a doing word, right? And this is the essence of the gospel. This is the essence of Christianity. I love that about Jesus. I'm on team. Number three, Jesus is different. Have you ever noticed that? I uh, I recently got asked by a man uh, out at Millstream. Um, He said, who are you? I said, do you know my name? He said, no, who are you? I said, I wear a number of hats. He said, enough of that nonsense. Who are you and what do you do? And I said, well, why do you ask? He says, I felt like God might have just opened a door. You know, to get noticed, all you got to do is speak with an accent. You don't swear. People go, there's something different about you. If I don't is working with miners, truckers, farmers, people with beautiful language. Just need to increase their vocabulary off the wall, right? Just got to love it. I love being around people like that. I love it when we had young people in our house and they start to sit there going, sorry, God, sorry, God, as if God hasn't heard it before. What's different about you? When you don't retaliate, when you hit your thumb, but you don't let something fly, 
difference and bring a difference into our world. I didn't come to be served by others. I came to serve to people like that. Can you point me to anyone? Search. That's what will make us stand out as well. When people begin to see the difference. We go through the same crises, the same problems, the same challenges, the same disappointments as those in the world. But there's got to be something. Can I get a witness here today? There's got to be something different about us. And we bring that difference into the world. That is a beauty that only you can radiate. That is a, that is a sound that only you can orchestrate. So be the difference in the world. Right? I didn't come so that others could wait on me. I came so that I could wait on others. Sometimes I feel like getting up here and say, good morning, fellow ministers. But I know people will be going, what are you talking to? But all of us have been called into his service. All of us have been called to serve. That is the culture and the essence of Christianity. That's what it means to walk in unity with the mission of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness here today? We're celebrating volunteers this morning. There are something like 60 plus people, Joel, 60 plus people who regularly volunteer in the life of our church. And I only want that number to go up because I believe everyone should have the attitude of, I'm on team. I'm here to serve. What needs to get done? In fact, I'll come early to make sure it gets done. And, and, and I'll stay back late. You know, I don't want to blow up air into um, Joel's tyres this morning, but let me do it for a minute. He often is the last one to leave or to lock up. And do you know what? That means the rest of us can get home, do our air conditioning and, you know, do our, do our lamb roast. Oh, not at your place, okay. Uh, but, but Joel often is the one standing back here just doing what needs to get done. You've got to love that. You've got to honour that got to appreciate that. That, that. that is Jesus serving, right? That is the heart of Christ. And that's really worth noticing. The Jesus culture that we are a part of is not comparable to the world around us. And that's why we stand out because we are, say it with me, number three, we are different. Number four, number four is service. Now, Jesus didn't come to be served by others. He came to serve others. That's this word service. I'd love you to write it down. Because service is about the disposition that we have, the mindset, the attitude that we have. We are all called servants. And that is the attitude of heart. It's not the attitude of mind. I don't know if you can catch the difference there. We have to have the heart of a servant, but we have to have the mind of a son. We're not here to be walked over by people. We're here to be servants to people. We're here to lead and to rule and to reign and carry a towel. It's a dichotomy. How's that supposed to work? You figure it out the best way you can, just like the rest of us. When you serve, you actively combat the spirit of privilege. The attitude of entitlement that says, well, I'm here. Somebody should do that for me. But who should do it for you? Who? <laughs> I'm with you, Sandy. Yeah. Where are you going to find a good man like that, hey? 
Goodness me, one that opens the doors, does the vacuuming, irons the clothes with his shirts off. We're going to find a fellow like that, I ask you. I tell you what, that's just amazing. We're called to serve each other in the context of marriage and family. Absolutely we are. But beyond that, we're called to serve each other. And when we do, we, we defeat that thing that wants to rise up inside every human being that says, someone ought to do this for me. I walked around my yard a few months ago and looked and it was growing long and, and, and this weirdest thought hit me. It was like, I can't believe it. I was like, well, I wonder who's going to mow that. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what a strange thought to have. It's, of course it's going to be me. It's not going to be Sharon. It's going to be me, right? But what a weird thought. I, who's going to look after that? And of course, if we don't do it, it doesn't get done. But when you... When you actively go after the entitlement mentality and you say, you know what, I'm here to serve, not expect others to serve me. When someone waits at you at a restaurant, do you thank them? Thanks. Would they know the difference between your thanks and your gratitude and someone else's? What would you do to ratchet up that thankfulness? Well, we don't tip in Australia, David. That's not, that's not who, and I'm not suggesting that you should. But if your expression of gratitude, if your personal body language doesn't radiate something to make that person's day go, they appreciated what I just did for them. Ever been to the, to the you know, recycled yard, the, the dump? Ever, ever, no one's ever been to that? Okay. Sometimes you go in there and the guy that's at the gate, he, <laughs> he's got a shirt. He's got the jersey, and it's almost like you're inconvenienced to him. Uh, to, not, not an Atherton, of course, not, not an Atherton. Other places I've been, not an Atherton. And uh, it's like, you, you, buddy, I'm giving you a job, okay? The nicest thing, you, best thing you do is be nice to me. No, I don't have any bad stuff on. I've, I'm not hiding anything. It's just I've got to bring it here, right? But I want to make sure I thank them for the way in which they've opened the gate for me. Yeah? When you do that, when you serve others with your words, when you serve others with your actions and your attitudes, guess what? Hear it, hear it loud and clear. You're fulfilling the mission of Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. So let's live out this life of service. Let's delight in it. Because I'm on team and I want to be part of serving and helping and confronting the spirit of elitism, privilege, and entitlement. There's nothing more offensive, I don't think, than someone who just expects that you will and they won't. There's something beautiful about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's something amazing about that imagery of our Savior in the upper room that night, the night that he is betrayed. He strips down, picks up a towel, finds a bucket of water, walks along. What are you doing, Jesus? That's not for you to do. You're, you're the honoured guest. You're the, you're the rabbi in this room. You're the bishop here at this gathering. What are you doing doing that? I'm being Jesus. And I want to invite you, Destiny, to be Jesus as well. You know, there were some churches in the past, maybe there's some even still today, that actually practice that you know, habit of washing feet. Um, we, we take it as not being necessary today, but, but, 
But what about we adopt the attitude of heart that says, what could I do to be a blessing to somebody else practically? That'd be good, wouldn't it? You know, this little plant, I usually put it off my water table most Sundays. If you're listening by radio today or by broadcast, um, there's a little artificial plant that's often left here on this um, little side table. And I I usually get rid of it because I don't like anything that's artificial, surely. I like things that are real, you know. I like things that are real. But I can promise you this. I can promise you this. Adam doesn't have to water this. It won't die. Wayne, we don't need to repot this next week, right? It's, it's going to survive. It's going to be okay. Sarovi, we might have to dust this, but that's about all we've got to do, right? That doesn't need much attention. But if something's living, we've got to serve it. We've got to attend it. You know, right now we're excited for Adam and Rachel, you know, with this precious little baby boy. And in the middle of the night, that baby goes, Mum, you know that it's not how it happens, right? You know that's not how it happens. Feed me! That's how it happens, right? When there's life, it needs attention, yeah? It needs attention. And it's us that gets to serve. Number five is generosity. The Son of Man did not come to be served by others, but to serve them and to give his life, to give generosity. Generosity is the hallmark of Christianity. It always has been and it always will will be. Generosity confronts the spirit of materialism and mammon. If you get upset when someone from the front here starts talking about money, I'm sorry, but it's not going to stop. I never get offended when the man at the service station says that'll be $75. He hasn't said that for a long time. Now it's like $136, please. (laughs) Bring on the electric cars. Here's, here's 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 the point. Here's the point. Generosity is a reflection that Jesus is living in you. gets real quiet in churches when preachers talk about money, Hazel. Real quiet. This is the culture of the kingdom of God. We can't preach the gospel and not talk about money. Because money is the idol that seizes people's affections and attention. And for it to get off, for Jesus to come onto the throne, it's got to get off the throne. And that is never easy. For us to pray, thy kingdom come, we first have to say, my kingdom go. Andre Olivier spoke that over us at our state conference and it stayed with me. For thy kingdom to come, my kingdom must go. And so Christians ought to be, they ought to be known for their generosity. Well, David, are you talking about my tithe and offering? Not, not, not really. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about living a generous way. Does that mean I have to shout people for lunch? (laughs) If you're a volunteer today, if you're a volunteer today, you don't have to go home for lunch. We'll look after you today. Christians ought to be hospitable. Can I get a witness? Hospitality is the unused key of evangelism. The unused key of evangelism. Be generous. I've said this many times, and as long as I'm pastor, you'll keep hearing me say it. Be generous with your words over your children. 
Be generous with your words over your spouse. Be generous with your words over your parents. Put pleasantness onto your lips and keep declaring. Some of you are just a few confessions away from a breakthrough. Your words, your lips are like the front wheel of your car. If you begin to speak positively, I was with Pastor Craig Tompkinson, a good friend of mine who pastored an amazing church in Mackay when Sharon and I were living in Mackay and serving there. And he told me about one of his investment properties down in Newcastle, how it went up, how it went down, how it went right down, and it just became an absolute nightmare. And then God spoke to him out of the book of Proverbs and said, there's power of life and death in the tongue. So he printed out that scripture and put it on top of the folder that was with that investment property. And um, every time he pulled that investment property folder out, he saw that, so he declared a blessing over his investment property. And you know what? Now it's changed. That whole area is being redeveloped and now developers are vying for that property where once it was a down, now it's a up because there's power in your words. Be generous with your words. Don't get all excited in the first song and then cruise down in worship. It's going to finish soon. We'll be able to sit down in a minute. Jesus is worthy of your generous worship. He is worthy of your generous praise. He is worthy of your physical effort. He's worthy of lying on the carpet. He's worthy of kneeling. He's worthy of me raising my hands. Even in the back of my head, someone's saying to me, you look like an idiot. You know what? I don't care how I look. All I want to be is obedient to Jesus. When you've got a generous spirit, we don't start arguing about that trifle things like, do we have to tithe now that we're New Testament Christians? Are you serious? Jesus doesn't want your tithe. He wants far more than that. He wants it all. If he has your heart, he's got your wallet. They said to the New Testament, give everything. And they said, yes. Leave it all to follow me. And they said, yes. Please don't talk to me about should Christians tithe. We're no longer in the shallow end of the pool, friends. I'm fluttering my eyelids for those listening on the tape. Generosity, joyful generosity, is the culture of the kingdom. It is the model set for us by our rabbi, Jesus. Just go, he's going to finish this point in a minute and he's going to move on to point number seven. He's going to move on to point number, all right, point number six. Well, let's move on to point number six then. <laughs> let's go back to point number five. When you're a Christian, see, that's why being a Christian is tough. It's hard. People say, well, you have to be a, you'd have to be a weakling to be a Christian. Really? You try standing for a holy God explaining yourself. You try that on for size. See how you go. You try living out this life where you don't live for yourself, but you live for the betterment of others. See how you go with that. You try and keep the moral code that Jesus said, that's what perfection looks like, and see how you go. We can't do it. We desperately need his help. But this word here is where we come to. See, that's what the empowerment Holy Spirit brings into our life. Pentecostals love that scripture in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Do you know it? It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you He'll give power to you and you'll be my martyrs. 
Hang on, hang on. Not from the Amplified Translation. Just go back to the modern translation. You'll be my witnesses. Oh, that's easier. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Fine, I can be a witness there. Judea, don't like those people, but if I have to. Samaria, high protest. The ends of the earth. Are you serious, God? Yeah, because when Holy Spirit comes upon you, He gives you the capacity to live a life beyond your life. This is the mission of Jesus entrusted to us. I'm going to say it again, real tender, real gentle. Go into all the world and be the gospel. Go. Go. Go into the schools. Go into your businesses. Go to your neighbor's house. I remember one of my good friends, some kids in his youth group came to him one time and said, Pastor, Pastor, a witch has moved into the unit next door to us. What should we do? He said, bake her a cake. Take it over and say, pray you're having a nice day. Because light is never intimidated by darkness. Be of good cheer, overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. If he's overcome, guess what? We will overcome as well. How? Because of what his sacrifice means to us and the way we talk, the power of our testimony. But sacrifice is the capacity to live our life in a way that our life is not dear to us. Sometimes Sharon upsets me. Being such a perfect husband as I am, with so very few flaws, I find it astonishing that that woman could get upset with me the way she does, Shirley. I struggle. I struggle. Pray for me. (laughs) But the scripture calls me to lay down my life for her. And sometimes that's what it takes. But you know what? The scripture is telling that to her as well. And that's why there's peace and harmony. Because we want to outdo each other in serving each other. Imagine a marriage where each one wanted to please the other one more than they wanted to please themselves. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's the culture of the kingdom. That's the mission of Jesus entrusted to us. Finally, oh, there's a scripture in John. Can we just go on to the next scripture, please, guys? In John chapter 10, um, we're almost concluding. John chapter 10, the Father loves me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I've got the power to lay down my life and to take my life up again. No one takes my life from me. Jesus wasn't martyred and nor was he murdered in that sense. He voluntarily laid down his life for us. John goes on to record these words of Jesus. He said, this capacity, this ability to take up my life again has been given to me by my father. This is the spirit of Jesus. This is the attitude of Christ, the one that we follow, the one that lives within. It's his spirit living within us, enabling us to do what is absolutely unhuman. Unhuman. Before I move on to point number seven, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever thought about this? But what does the cross feel like on your shoulder? There's a deep reflection for you. Remember, he, remember Rabbi told us, he said, take up your cross and follow me. Remember that? Do you remember that? What does it feel like on your shoulder? That's a good thought. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. Whenever you saw a man carrying his cross, you knew what his future was. 
And so why do we have the crosses as symbols of our faith? Because only Jesus could take the symbol of torture and shame and turn it into the ultimate expression of love. You don't ever see someone walking around with an electric chair hanging on a chain around their neck or a guillotine hanging around their neck or a sword or a gun, right? But we see the cross because it still speaks 2,000 years later of love, of sacrifice, of obedience. This is what is being entrusted to us. Point number seven. Can I get a runner to go to our kids' ministry right now? Thank you, Levi. And tell Jess and tell Daniel, he's on point seven. I've got another 10 to go. (laughs) Number seven, that's not true. That's a fib. This is the last point. Point number seven. It's expansive. Listen again. Listen again to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man did not come for others to serve him. He came with this mission, to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for a few of his closest buddies. No, that's not what the Scripture says, and I'm glad that I've got a witness here today. There's something expansive about Jesus. It isn't about us four and no more. It's always about where can we find another chair to make room at the table for somebody else. There's something expansive and expanding about the kingdom of God and about the way God's love gets into your heart. When a man is all wrapped up in himself, he makes a very small package. But when you begin to say, God, I want to live a life that's bigger than me, that is beyond me. I live for my children. I live for my wife. I live for my my family. I, I live for the cause of Christ. You know what? The world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When your heart begins to expand, do you know what? You'll find that there's greater capacity. One of the most enlightening days in my life was when I said to Sharon, we had our daughter, Yannicka, we had Madeline, she was gorgeous. She was this special little thing and, and just an answer to prayer. She was absolutely incredible. My heart was stolen, you know. Dads, can I get an emotional witness here from somebody? Yeah, and my heart was stolen. And I was like, honey, we can't have any more kids because how could I... How could I halve the love I have for this child and share it with someone else I don't even know? And she said, you silly man. She's tender, my wife. She said, that's not true. She's just gorgeous. She said, honey, don't you realize, don't you realize that your heart won't halve? It'll double. It'll double. That's the expansiveness that Jesus brings into your life. You've been hurt, you've been disappointed, you loved and you were wounded. That's life, that's living. Don't come to Jesus expecting to get sopped on the head with a tissue. He's going to tell you straight. Love enables you to keep on, even though you have been disappointed, even though you have been wounded, even though you have been let down. You might get slapped in the face. I know some young men that can't handle, you know, some sweet thing saying, no, I'm not interested in you, buddy. Move on. And it's like, you never had that problem, but a few of us other ugly guys, we did. All right. Just move on. But you know what? If you stop loving because the first one said no, you'd miss out on the best thing in the world. And Sharon is so glad that, that God did not answer her prayers the way 
that she prayed before I came onto the scene. That's all I'm, I'm going to say about that. Expansive. When you, when you get your heart connected to Jesus, you find yourself gaining a capacity to love just one more. So, Pastor, how big does this church need to be for you to be happy? Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to the love of God. You've never opened your heart to the love of Jesus and the transformation that brings. I'd love to pray for you today. We're here because Jesus changes lives still. He's changing ours. We're not perfect, but we're on a path following someone who is. And I'd love you to bow your head for a moment as we close this service and as we pray. Father, as people here and those that listen to this broadcast who watch or hear what's being said right now, this is a moment of decision. This is a moment for us to respond to the invitation where Jesus is still saying, follow me. Lord, we of us, those of us here that are your disciples, we again say yes to this invitation to follow you, to move beyond Lord, the, the boundaries and the, and the confinement of our head and heart and say yes to an expansiveness of life that includes and involves other people. That's not passive, but it's participatory. It's involved. It's active. It's got that culture that says, I'm on team. Father, I'm praying today for people here, those that would listen to this broadcast, that their heart would open to you and they would say yes to the invitation that Jesus gives. I thank you that you don't just forgive sins, but that you transform lives, that you grant destinies and anointings, and you bring purpose and meaning and fulfillment. Lord, here and now, and the promise, a hope and an assurance of something beyond death. We're so grateful for all these things, Father, and we rejoice in you and this hope that is ours in the wonderful, beautiful, matchless name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Family, the Lord bless you. I need to release you um, right now. And um, please, you don't need to um, not have tea or coffee, but just be mindful about what's happening out there. And your kids can be mindful of that. That would be great as well. But go in God's peace. Go in God's love. Have a fantastic Sunday. And next Sunday, Pastor Gary Swenson will be here. It's going to be an absolute blessing. Let's fill this place to the glory of God.